0: Welcome to another episode of Together for Salem.
1: Let's do this. Hey, thank you for tuning in. It is good to be seen by you. My name is John. This is... Liz and we are part of Cross Creek Community Church. And this is a church in Salem, Oregon that was designed from the ground up to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. <laughs> and part of that is we believe that God is for you and so we are for you. And part of being for our neighbors is supporting local businesses.
0: Yeah, uh, we also love to give things away.
1: We do love to give, you know why? So we've God loves collaborated to give. the two. Yes, we have.
0: And. Um, this week, giveaway.
1: We're doing a giveaway. Was pretty huge. To Love Love Teriyaki, South Salem. Seems
0: like everybody really likes Love Love. Yeah. We had so many entries.
1: Over 100 entries.
0: That we decided one wasn't enough.
1: One winner is not enough. Let's so double it.
0: We're gonna double it.
1: Two winners this week. Yeah. And so the first I winner know. is? Sarah E. Congratulations, Sarah E. You won a $25 gift card to Love Love Teriyaki (laughs) in South Salem. And our second winner, do you know who it is? No. Secret. Kyle L., you are the winner. Congratulations. Our second giveaway. Tell tell Joshua and Noah that John sent you. They'll know what that means. This is an episode of uh, Cross Creek Community Church's online environment. And uh, we're a church that loves our kids, too. We do. And so we didn't want to forget them. And I mean, so,
0: maybe not ours, but oh, we love our <laughs> kids they're
1: when they're sleeping. But. <laughs> no, but uh, we have uh, material for kids. If you uh, go to you go to this link right here, we have uh, stuff mm. for your kids to hear how much God loves them mm-hmm. and how they can um, obey their parents and submit in love or just know that God loves them and that they're so. amazing kids.
0: Kind of like
1: that, Yeah. And so this week we're doing something a little different with our...
0: Yeah. Why are you sitting here?
1: Yeah. We've decided to switch roles. That's weird. So we are hosting.
0: It's weird that I'm here too.
1: I love it that you're here. Mm, That's nice. You're my favorite. (laughs) But uh, this week, Aaron is actually going to be talking to us about uh, walking into... This is something Aaron would do if he was doing it. Walking, (laughs) Right? (laughs) Walking into the unknown. So, Aaron.
0: Take
1: it away. To you.
2: Thank you, John and Liz. You might be wondering who this unknown person is here, but you'll figure that out. Uh, You know, there have always been unknowns in life, and it's especially true right now. Uh, Or maybe it's just especially obvious right now, and it's always been true, but... Uh, We have lots of questions right now, right? Like when will this whole thing end? And when will life return to normal? And what am I supposed to do in the meantime? Or what am I not supposed to do in the meantime? And what's life gonna be like when things actually do get back to some kind of normal? So we've really just experienced the unknown and that it's scary, it's stressful, it's difficult. And it's hard for us, it's painful in different ways for each of us. It's basically separated us from our normal life. So we've all experienced a serious truth even more intensely in these past few months in a a brand new way. And that truth is, the unknown disrupts everything that we think we know. The unknown disrupts everything we think we know. I have great news for you though. We actually do have some choices or options in how we face that unknown. And if you think about it, I guess you can kind of boil it down to three basic choices. We can fight it. We can fight everything about it. We can complain. We can blame. We can try and take control. We can trample others to get what we want. We can do what we think's right. Or we can do nothing. We could hide and wait till it's all over, till things return to normal. We can just ignore what's happening around us. We can just bide our time. Or we can lovingly act. We can follow the way of love. We can rely on Jesus and God in all situations, even though and even We're certainly afraid. Some of us in this time are uncertain, but we can still actually lovingly act, even though we feel that way through those feelings. Uh, So in the the last few months, actually, all of us have tried at least one of those. Some of us have tried all three. And if you've tried all three options, fight it, do nothing, and lovingly act, you, congratulations, are the proud winner of a game I like to call Unknown tic-tac-toe into the unknown tic-tac-toe you've gotten three across or three diagonally or whatever because you've tried all three Uh, but all of us have tried at least one of those fight it do nothing or lovingly act so our common response to the unknown because we choose each of us has chosen one or more of those right actually reveals something important about today's message and that is this truth we have a choice what we do in the unknown we do have a choice We may not feel like we have much of a choice, but we do actually have a choice. So there's a story that I think will help us in our current situation. And it's actually from Genesis in the Hebrew Bible or um, the Old Testament in the Christian Bible. And it's probably written by Moses. You may have heard of him. He's kind of like famous about the 10 commandments and letting my people go and leading them out of Egypt and stuff like that. So Moses probably wrote this like in the 1400s BC after the story had been passed down. Uh, orally in tradition for a couple hundred years, and uh, this is, is an important setting for the story. There's a where, a when, and a who that I want to focus on, and the where is Canaan in Egypt, which is in the modern-day Middle East, and when is about 1600 to 1700 BC, and who we're going to actually focus in today on Joseph and his brothers. So these are all the sons of Jacob, and I want you to pay really close attention to how do Joseph and his brothers react to the unknown what do they do? I mean, is there anything that we can actually learn from that? How do they act in the face of the unknown? Do they fight it? Do they do nothing? Or do they lovingly act? So uh, here's Joseph's pertinent backstory, because there's a lot that happens here, but I'm going to try to condense it. Uh, Basically, he's one of the younger in his big family of 12 boys. He is his dad's favorite. So he was born in Jacob's old age, and Jacob's like, so thankful to have a son at that age. And So he makes Joseph his favorite, which obviously doesn't play out well. For Joseph's brothers, they get kind of jealous of that. And he gives Joseph a special coat, which you'll see here. Anyway, that makes Joseph's brothers even more jealous and resentful towards him. So next, Joseph has a couple dreams, which he goes on to tell his family about. And in both of these dreams, his brothers and then his brothers and his parents bow down to him, meaning that he's in control. So that's kind of countercultural in this Middle Eastern time. Like it's a patriarchal society. So the dad's in control and then the brothers in birth order after that. So Joseph, being one of the younger ones, is like totally upsetting the apple cart here. And he shares these dreams and that further stokes the, re, the fires of resentment for his brothers. So what do they do about it? I mean, what would you do about it, right? Well, remember those choices we talked about earlier? Fight it, do nothing, lovingly act. Joseph's brothers were jealous of him and they feared. They were so afraid of him controlling them that they grabbed control for themselves. And they they were trying not to make something happen that they thought might happen. So they chose, drum roll please, fight it. They chose to fight it. And here's what happened. Joseph's brothers decided to kill him, but then they kind of decided better of that backpedal a little bit and sold him into slavery to some passing merchants. And they decided to get rid of him that way. And that decision by Joseph's brothers to fight it leads us to another tough truth. And that is fighting the unknown causes destruction, pain and loss. Fighting the unknown causes destruction, pain and loss. And understand me here, I'm not saying we shouldn't fight for truth and justice for other people. We sh- I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to protect others who can't protect themselves. That's what I'm not talking about that kind of fighting. I'm saying this response is different because Joseph's brothers were fighting for themselves and they were fighting just for their own selfishness and that is different. So think about all the people that got hurt here. Uh, when they told Jacob, he basically went into mourning because he thought his son was dead. Uh, and I can't imagine myself losing a child. I mean, that would be the worst, hardest thing that a parent that I can imagine would ever have to deal with. So that's how Jacob's affected by this. And the brothers have this dirty, dark secret that's like in the undercurrent of their lives forever. I mean, they're just, every time they talk to one another, they remember what they did. They sold their brother out. They, they left him for dead. And then there's Joseph himself. I mean, how would you react to this? What would you do with that pain of abandonment? Um, how would you face the unknown from that point on? What, what kind of revenge would you plan? How would that, what just happened to you, affect every single relationship from then on? Would it taint everything? Would it want you make you want to destroy everything, including yourself? I mean, I would understand if Joseph chose any of those options or all of them, wouldn't you? And I would also point out here that Joseph's brothers didn't choose to do nothing because that was another option we talked about. Seems kind of like a good time to mention the obvious, but, and maybe it's something that you've already thought about, but Joseph's brothers didn't do nothing when they were faced with the unknown because doing nothing does nothing. Doing nothing does nothing. I mean, they know what we know. And that's if they did nothing, they would have no impact on what would happen. They'd have no way out of their current situation. Nothing would change. They'd still be stuck. They'd still be out of control. So that wasn't really a viable option for them. And I would argue it's actually not a good choice for us either, but more about that later. Uh, But Joseph, after he's sold into slavery, he ends up in Egypt and he gets a job working for one of Pharaoh's officials, whose name is Potiphar. And like he becomes, Joseph becomes in charge of all of Potiphar's estate. So Potiphar's wife gets the hots for Joseph and she tries to convince him to sleep with her and he says no, and he runs away. And then she gets mad at him. So she she tells people that he tried to sleep with her even though he didn't, and so he ends up in jail. So now he's knocked down once again to crown zero and uh, he's thrown in jail, but he doesn't just sit there. So he rises in jail. He rises to the ranks of actually being in control of the jail because he's so good at administrating stuff and being in charge of things. So Pharaoh at the time has these weird dreams and he's trying to get interpretation for them, but nobody seems to know what the dreams mean. So he calls in Joseph and Joseph helps him interpret a dream with cannibalistic cows, eating one another. And this is an aside, but I do think that's our failed attempt. First failed attempt at the double burger. We did figure it out after after this point but it was just this one really badly and pharaoh also dreamed that there were these um, sheaves of wheat that got swallowed up by like burned dried out ones and pharaoh's like what's no one can seem to explain this dream to me what what was this dream mean what did both dreams mean and so joseph's actually good at dream interpretation and he says okay let me take a crack at this he goes Basically, what's going to happen is there's going to be seven years of plenty and after that seven years of famine. So we've got to get ready for that famine. So Pharaoh thinks about it and he's like, you know what? I'm going to believe you, Joseph. You seem to be able to interpret my dream. Nobody else can. So we're going to go with that. So far as Pharaoh actually puts Joseph in charge of all of Egypt and exec- like he's the executor of all of this plan to collect this grain and this food for when there's going to be a uh, a famine after that so let me pause here and actually highlight something for you you might not have noticed and you may or may not be familiar with the story but basically this is the point Joseph loses everything twice both times he didn't fight it he didn't do nothing he chose to lovingly act basically he took who he was and what he had which was not much and he lovingly acted So he used his administrative skills, his dream interpretation, and he kept rising and helping people. And he could have had a lot of other choices, obviously, to make, but he did that. So back to the story. Everything goes according to Joseph's interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams. So there's lots of uh, plenty for seven years. They actually take all that grain, they store it. And then there's a region-wide famine that starts. And it's so bad... That it doesn't just impact Egypt, but it also impacts Canaan, which is where Joseph's brothers and family are still living. So they hear there's grain in Egypt, so they come to Egypt and they think he's dead. So they show up uh, at, you know, basically with Pharaoh's officials, and Joseph's right there, but they don't recognize him because they think he's dead. But Joseph recognizes them and he gives them some food and he tells them to bring their youngest brother back with him when they run out. And so they come back again, and this time they bring their younger brother, Benjamin. So let me stop for a second. Think about the setup here. Joseph's got all of his brothers, basically all of his rivals for his dad's estate, um, all of the people who sold him out, sold him to be a slave and left him for dead, all in the same place. They don't know he's there. So this is like the perfect setup for revenge, right? He has all of the control in the situation. So what happens? Please come closer, he, Joseph, said to them. So they came closer. And again he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. You can argue Joseph has one of the best setups for revenge in all of history, and yet he foregoes that and actually thanks God instead? What is happening here? Okay, here's, maybe maybe here's what's happening. Joseph is biding his time because all his brothers are there, but where is his father? Back at home. So maybe Joseph's it's a shame on honor culture, the ancient Middle East, and maybe he's not mad at his, his dad didn't sell him out to be a slave. So maybe he's just kind of biding his time and waiting for his dad to die, and then he's gonna destroy all of his brothers and take all the stuff that should be his because he's supposed to be in charge, right? Um, so let's wait for that and see what happens. Here's, here's what happens next. Uh, basically, time goes on, and Joseph secures food and productive grazing land for his whole family. It's hundreds of people uh, and his whole people group. And the famine keeps going for years, seven years, And finally, Jacob's getting old, and he's basically, he dies because he's old and he's ready to die anyway. And at this point, we are there. This has to be the point where Joseph finally gets revenge in the situation, right? I mean, you're supposed to keep your friends close and your enemies closer. So Joseph has kept his family close, and they're all living right in Egypt where he's in control. And these brothers are going to get it. Are you ready for this? This is going to be great, right? It's like the perfect setup. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. I mean, wouldn't you be, aren't you kind of scared? Like, I know what happens and I'm actually a little scared for them right now. Let's see what happened. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. So how does Joseph react? When Joseph received the message, he broke down and he wept. So I can only imagine, it doesn't say, but I would think at this point, like all of that pain, and we're all experiencing pain right now, right? But all of that pain that Joseph felt just came out and he thought about all that his brothers had done. And he he didn't ignore that. He didn't stuff it back down. He experienced it and he was working through it and dealing with it. It says, then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for for good. He brought me into this position so I could save the lives of many people. Well, does that surprise you just a little bit? I mean, honestly, doesn't it? It's not what many people would expect to happen in this story. Joseph chose to lovingly act when he had basically the perfect setup for to get his deserved revenge. He was owed revenge, if you think about it. He, he did nothing wrong, and he could have just taken back what was his. And that brings us to the main takeaway from Joseph's life, and it's also an encouragement for us today, and that is this. Loving action has amazing results. Loving action has amazing results. So, you might have noticed, you think, oh, that's great, Aaron, thanks for sharing that. That's very encouraging. I really appreciate that right now. but. Aren't you kind of skirting around the main root question here? It's not really what happened, but why? So if you zoned out for a minute, I I get it. I've been telling a long story, and it's people from thousands of years ago. But come on back and listen carefully. The key question is why. Why would Joseph choose to lovingly act? Why did he choose to act the way he did? Why not choose to get the revenge and everything that he was owed? Why not fight for himself or why not do nothing? The answer to that comes from the end of Joseph's story and the ends of today's end of today's story. In the end of Genesis, it says, "'Soon I will die,' Joseph told his brothers." So he's getting ready to die, he's old at this point. "'But God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob, who are all of Joseph's ancestors and theirs too.'" Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath. And he said, when God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. Why did Joseph consistently choose to lovingly act when he had so many other choices and he could have done something else? It's actually simple cause and effect. Trusting God leads to loving action. When you trust God, when we trust God, when Joseph trusted God, that leads to loving action. Basically, Joseph chose lovingly acting because he trusted God. One followed the other. One caused the other. That's the cause and effect at work here. He believed that the promise that God had made his great-great-grandfather and his great-grandfather and his grandfather would actually come true, even though he was never going to see it. He was about to die, and he was not even in his homeland anymore. He was in a totally different place than God had promised, but he still trusted God, and he lovingly acted. So... What does this all mean for you, for me, for us? I mean, no doubt things are really, really hard right now. And there's a lot that's unknown. Uh, Probably some of this will never be known what's happening to us right now. And there's already been so much pain and loss and life really is harder for us in ways that we could never have imagined a few months ago. And there's still more difficulty to come. So how are we going to act in the midst of that unknown future? Well, you do have a choice. You can choose to engage the unknown by lovingly acting and being for others you can be for others you can choose to engage the unknown and lovingly act and be for others we just like joseph can choose to do something different than to fight it and to do nothing Joseph's choice to lovingly act, he actually saved not just himself and his own family and their people group, but he saved thousands of lives of other people that he didn't even know, people that weren't even in his clan, people that weren't even like him or his people at all. Thousands of lives just because he was willing to trust God and lovingly act. So you can do that too. You can be for other people too. Just want to remind you during during this month, August, you can participate in our For Salem Challenge, which is simply... Just on social media or by text or personally, you can just ask people, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you and see where that goes? So what if you wish that you had an example? Joseph's great, right? What if you wanted an example of an entire life that was lived for others? Like, is there such a person like that? Well, what if I told you there was somebody that didn't just save thousands of lives, but he was actually for every single human that's ever lived? He wasn't somebody representing a distant, impersonal God, but he was God himself in person. He was God as a person. And what if I told you he refused to get sucked into political dialogue of his time or arguments and he refused to be used as a pawn and he resisted fighting for himself. Instead, he fought for others and their rights. He didn't just do nothing and sit there and bide his time and wait for things to end or for things to be over either. What if I told you he trusted God and lovingly acted just, like him because he was him. What if I told you he was sharing God's love for others? His name, Jesus. Simply put, we can follow Jesus' example and make the same choice that he made to be for others. So if you're a Jesus follower, this is just your friendly reminder. You have decided to follow Jesus with your life. You have the Holy Spirit working in you. And you can follow Jesus' example under God's power. You have that power living inside of you. You just have to trust God and lovingly act. That's all you have to do. It's not easy, but it is very, very simple. If you're not a Jesus follower, well, you're not held to this at all. Maybe you have questions or doubts, and maybe you're not even sure there was a Jesus really, or that God exists, and I totally understand because I was there too. For the first two and a half decades of my life, I wasn't sure that there was a God, certainly didn't follow Jesus with my life. And that's fine. I would say you've got some options. If you're not sure that Jesus or God exists, you've got some things you can do. You could read and find out more about who Jesus was, what he said, what he did, and how he lived. And there are four stories in the Bible called the Gospels that are basically eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, what he did, where he went, what he said, who he was. And those are called Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John in the Bible. You can actually check out here. You can communicate with us here at Cross Creek. So you could just click on our website, yourcrosscreek.com. And you can send us a, a message too on Facebook. You can communicate with us all different kinds of ways. And we're not saying we have all the answers, but we would love to dialogue with you about, just talk with you about your questions and what we know. And we've had the same questions you have, probably. And we might be even working through some of those same things now, but we're here to help you. Or, number three, you could join a connect group at Cross Creek. You don't have to be a Jesus follower to be in a group. You could just join those of us who are just trying to figure out life right now and how we should interact with the unknown with you. So join a connect group. No matter what, you don't have to follow Jesus to act lovingly towards someone else either. So even if you don't believe in Jesus, you can still act with love towards others this week. Uh, I have an invitation for all of you too, which is related to this message, and that's to read Philippians 2, 3 through 8. If you're really brave and you wanna go for it, you can read all of Philippians, but it's a letter of Paul to this church at Philippi, and they're just a baby church and they're trying to figure out who was Jesus and how did they actually follow him with their lives. And so he writes about what Jesus did. So as you read about what he did and said in this letter from Paul, think about what will you do with the example of Jesus in Philippians. And there's one last all play, if you will. If you're not sure how to lovingly act, because I totally get that. That's me all the time. You can just stop and pray, God, how can I be for others today, right now? Show me, God, how I can be lovingly acting for another. So imagine that we could navigate the unknown by making a positive difference in the lives of those around us. Let me make that even smaller. Imagine that we could just make one loving action towards one other person. How would that impact our own relationships and our own family and our neighborhood and our community and our city and our state? How would that affect our country? How would that affect our world? If we were just for one person, we do have a choice. In the unknown, we can choose to trust God and lovingly act. So what will you choose in the unknown of this week? What will you choose today? What will you choose in this moment? Will you fight it? Will you do nothing? Or will you lovingly act? The choice is yours. Back to you, John and Liz.
1: Thanks, Aaron. That um, The idea that a trust that leads to loving action really is Mm kind of what it's all about, right? We trust God and so that we can love others through his love. Right. So that's, that's awesome. Thank you for that. So this week we are doing another giveaway, Elizabeth. This is what I used to shave with.
0: That's not true.
1: (laughs) That's why I have a beard. Oregon Axe, an actual- Throwing. Axe throwing. An hour- They look kind of cool. They look awesome. I want to do this. An hour and a half session. Uh, with a tutorial and a safety lesson and tips on how to throw an axe and make it stick and then they give you games to actually play with your Pretty friends.
0: sure I, the first time I ever threw an axe, I made it stick.
1: Yep. And that was with you, right? That is true. We were still dating at the time, weren't yeah, we? Yeah.
0: That's why you married me. Yeah.
1: Because I'm that cool. She can throw an axe. So.
0: I'm pretty sure it would only happen one time.
1: Look on. <laughs> Look on our on Cross Creek social media this week mm-hmm. for how to enter a $25 hour and a half gift card to Oregon Axe this week in Salem. Yeah. And we are a nonprofit 501c3 in Oregon. Did you know that? That's how we can give away things because people like you, it's like PBS, we make <laughs> viewers like you make all of this possible. And so if you want to pay it yep. forward, if you've uh, been touched by these episodes, if you want mm-hmm. to uh, give back to the community, if you want to give back to the world, uh, this
0: Basically, is, if, yeah. if this has touched your life in any way, help us touch more people's lives through it. You know, yeah. and be able to discover more about God, who He is, that there are people that love you and care about you, and mm-hmm. that there's a God that loves you and cares mm-hmm. there's about there's you.
1: People who are for you. So you can, if that's something you want to do, you can donate at this link below. Yep. And thank you for those of you who do give and make this possible. So. Thanks, guys. Thank you for watching. I hope. I you won't have... see you
0: next week, but he probably
1: will. I'll probably be on. But it's good to good to see you. Thank you for watching. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Aaron.